Coming up, the Enterprise crew is dispatched to an icy planet to find and recover a missing Starfleet ship, only to find the entire crew murdered. Pike and the away team quickly and horrifically find themselves being hunted down one by one by their old nemesis, the Gorn. We break down this week's adventure and find out which members of Pike's crew paid the ultimate price in this thrilling and haunting episode of Strange New Worlds. All this and more coming up on Energize. We're boldly going into the uncharted regions of the Star Trek universe before James T. Kirk. You're listening to Energize, a Star Trek Strange New Worlds podcast, your source for in-depth analysis, colorful debate, and exciting discussions about the new adventures of Captain Pike and the Enterprise crew. I'm your host, Anthony McLemore. And I'm Steve Truitt. Energize. Energize. This week, an away mission puts Pike and his team in the middle of a killing field as members of his crew are picked off one by one. And by total surprise, we lose members of the crew, including one of the Enterprise's senior staff. Here's our Warp Speed recap of Strange New Worlds Episode 9, All Those Who Wander. for cadets Chia and Uhura for completing their training rotation on the USS Enterprise. What is this bug? Incoming priority one mission from Starfleet Command, sir. Geothermal anomalies have forced us to land several kilometers from the Peregrine. We should work quickly. This area is highly volatile. Captain, the bridge is completely offline. Someone hardwired all the controls down to engineering. Peregrine was mapping non-Federation space when we found three castaways on an M-class planet. The real fear is putting down roots. Are you infected? Is he? The monsters are gone. All right up there? You think this is impressive? Can you feel anything? Or are you some heartless, pointy-eared computer? Hey! Chia has to be the strongest, smartest, Extremely hostile. Spock. Do not follow me. I'm unarmed! It's just you and me! Fight me! Come on, fight me! Well, Anthony, we've been waiting, I think, a long time, at least nine episodes, for this unbelievable episode. Action-packed, terrifying. And, boy, it did not disappoint. Absolutely not. This was a thriller. It was haunting. It had you on the edge of your seat. Um, And it brought back uh, an enemy from earlier in the season. We've been waiting for this. This has been a slow buildup from the very beginning of seeing the Gorn once again. Yeah, they, you know, they've been teasing it and they've been doing it in kind of a Spielberg Jaws kind of way. We, we don't see them. We, we're, ter- you know, it's more terrifying of what you don't see than what you do see. And the director this week, Christopher Byrne, I think just laid out a phenomenal uh, uh, show just from end to end. Just absolutely gripping. Oh, well, the payoff was well worth it. I mean, yeah. uh, the producers and directors of Strange New Worlds, they've, they've done a great job of 
not blowing moments. And yeah. they, they, they gave us breadcrumbs, breadcrumbs every step of the way. And I think yeah. the, the payoff was just amazing. And uh, I, I was just on the edge of my seat the whole time. I was just like, oh, my God, this is getting better and better and better and better. Yeah. All right, so let's get into it. So, so we start with Pike having yet another party in his quarters for um, a couple of cadets that are finishing their tour. And one um, ensign who is getting promoted to Lieutenant, Lieutenant Duke. Time to bend some ears. Welcome to the big send-off. Although they leave us in a couple of weeks, today it's official. Let's hear it for Cadets Chia and Uhura for completing their training rotation on the USS Enterprise. And, and I think this, once again, just shows that, the, that Pike is a different kind of captain. And it really felt like we were part of a family. Yeah. And it was just really, really nice. It, 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 it just gave me a different vibe starting right off the right out the gate. Yeah, I, I do. I, I've gone back and forth about how I feel about that. He at times to me occurs almost too lax, I think, because I associate Enterprise with Kirk, especially in the TOS era. Um, it's hard for me to watch uh, Pike in some instances not be the definitive lead, but I think it's speaking more to what Starfleet is, which is more of an inclusive culture and one that allows for dissension, debate, and other opinions. So I'm getting, I'm warming up to it. <laughs> yeah, it's a good way of looking at it, especially coming off of Kirk and then uh, definitely Picard. It's, yeah. And, and Cisco, who are all the captains. I mean, they, right. they're, they're definitely more authoritative. Yeah. So... Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, Uhura and I don't remember the name of the other cadet. Uh, they are graduating now. Um, they finished their tour and they get to pick where they want to go. And Duke gets lieutenant. <clears throat> and they're called to uh, a change in mission. It's a pretty serious one where, you know, Pike is alerted by Spock that there is a message on secure channel. Now, immediately, Pike goes from, you know, grill master and, uh, 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 what do you call Top it? Top chef. Top chef, right, to uh, this is serious. I got to take this. What is this, Spock? Incoming priority one mission from Starfleet Command, sir. Spock out. Aren't we already a priority one mission? Yeah. Right, and they already had a mission. Right. They're going to K-7, which, by the way, I want to I point this out. I don't know if you knew this. But in one of the video games of Star Trek early on in the 90s, there was a um, outpost called Arc 7 that was in the Star Trek canon. So I was wondering why it was K7 and why they didn't pick up that it was Arc 7 or maybe it's a different one. But I thought it might have been Arc 7. So just yeah. any fans out there that know for sure, you should write us. No, no, I'm what's, our, what's our I'm email, a... Anthony? <laughs> <laughs> we got to get one. <laughs> yeah, we got to get it. Let's give our, when we get an email, you're going to write us. Exactly, exactly. But they have they have to send power cells to K7, which is a space station. And if they yeah. don't, yeah, the station's going to go dark, which includes right. life support. Life support says Mbenga very casually. Yeah, and um, I, what was really cool um, was that as they're discussing the mission. They're having breakfast, waffles, yeah. <laughs> and, well, and uh, the and, banter was yeah. awesome. I, I got to say, I agree. It just, I just loved 
how each person had a thing to say. I loved Mbenga sitting in the back, kind of throwing out a little, you know, don't forget life support and wait till you try the waffles. And, uh, and Lon, Lon. Lon's like, <laughs> I'm not hungry. And then she eats and she's like, oh my God, this is incredible. Saved your plate. No, thanks. I'm not hungry. You're going to want to try the omelet and the bacon. And the waffle. The Peregrine's deep space relay took two days to reach Starfleet. Another two to us, so we might still have contact just delayed. Oh, my God, this is delicious. Told you. It just was a phenomenal moment, and, and a subtle moment. And I love strong subtlety. I just think it was just beautiful. Yeah, it just it didn't hit you over the head. Like, um, no. No, no, no. I mean, the mission was laid out, but it was in the middle of what we would do in real life, you know, sitting yeah. down over breakfast. And there would be interruptions as you're talking about what we got, what, you know, the missions at hand. Right. So, uh, again, Pike is called uh, on Secure Channel uh, to um, this new mission. And immediately there's something up. It's a distress call. Yeah, we have a missing ship. Um, they've lost contact with a ship that's similar to the Enterprise, and that's it. And it's on a planet that has a lot of interference, so communication yeah. is cut off. So immediately, you know, we're faced with, well, we have a mission, you know, to K-7. So we, yeah. we have to do that, but we also have to do this because we're the closest ship, you know, the nearest ship available. So uh, Una's going to have to take the ship to k K seven and drop Pike off, and he, and he's he's like, oh, I'll lead this away mission. I want to, you know, have a good time with the, you know, give the cadets yeah. one more mission with senior staff. And I was like, right. oh boy. <laughs> well, first of all, we we know that's crazy. That's like, don't go back into the house, kind of crazy. But I had a small issue with this. It it both worked and didn't work for me. It worked in that there's no comms and the Enterprise has to leave on another mission. That was a brilliant ploy to strand them. It just was brilliant because they can't, no matter what happens, they can't report out and they can't have the ship and beam up anywhere. <clears throat> On the other hand, why would the captain take a bunch of cadets down to a situation that is fraught with danger? Where, I mean, I, look, I know it's Starfleet, I know it's danger, but this is particularly crazy. Like, they, it crashed and they don't know why. Um, can you help me out here? Did they? Was there no sense that maybe something weird might have happened? I'm with you on that, and I thought it was also weird that the Enterprise would just leave them behind. Yeah, I, I don't know. At, at least with a, a stronger contingent. If the Enterprise has to go, I understand if you have you know two dire missions, you, you have to make some choices. But Una right. said, this, this Una warned, this could be dangerous. Right, and I and again, I, the the reason it worked is because it was pretty innocuous at first. Look, it's a crash ship. We'll just go down and we'll investigate what could go wrong. Um, we don't have any signs at all that there was anything until they get to the ship, and by the time they get there, and and, and another good thing that did work is they get down there and like, yeah, we can't reach the Enterprise. We there's the comms are down, so that's what allowed the Enterprise to leave and to say, okay, they're on their own. We're going to go. And, and yeah. they couldn't beam down, remember? They yeah, had they to had to go in shuttles down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, ion so interference in the atmosphere. It was a really good plot uh, device, I thought. Yeah. Just, it, just, it doesn't seem like Starfleet protocol to me. It was more dramatic than Starfleet protocol. That's, what I'm, that's all I'm saying. No, no, I 100% agree with that because that was, yeah. that, was a, that was playing a little loose, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so they land on the planet, and it's 
cold and icy and barren and crazy. And of course, when they get out, Hammer's like, ah, just like Andoria, which I thought was funny because he's he looks like a guy who would live on that kind of planet. Geothermal anomalies have forced us to land several kilometers from the peregrine. We should work quickly. This area is highly volatile. It's going to be overrun by an ice storm in approximately six hours. This wind reminds me of Andoria. Glad someone can enjoy it. Well, yeah, he's blue and he looks very, very frosty. So in the first place, he I mean, he looks like a piece of ice. Yeah, you're <laughs> right. Like, he looks like the, uh, yeah, the ice the king. Ice what is that? The, the ice oh, yeah, 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 yeah. From uh, Game of Thrones. He looks just Game like Game of the, Thrones. Yes, yes. And um, yeah. oh, yeah. So he he definitely looks like, uh, you know, someone who would live in a cold environment. Yeah. So they <laughs> get off the ship. He says that. And then all of a sudden, guess who pops up? Sam Kirk. Hey, guys, <laughs> with that cheesy mustache, you know, yes. he's going to be in this. He's we don't know what part he's going to play yet, but I know it's probably going to be comic because he's such a goofball. Yeah, but I'm also wondering, is he going to get hurt again? Is he the comic relief in the sense that every time he shows up, he gets hurt? Is that the running joke? I'm not sure. Yeah, he's I'm not sure. So I'm, like, <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, well, he wears a blue shirt, but he's down there. And I'm just like, OK, is he the red shirt? And so I'm just like, yeah. OK. Well, we know he's not going to get killed because he can't get killed because when in Kirk's Enterprise, you know, he finds his his um, brother dead. His brother so, dead, of course. Yeah. Right. So he can't die just like Pike at this point. He can't die. But if uh, they I, stick to canon, if they stick to canon, he can't die. I think they're going right. to stick to canon because it just gets everybody crazy. So Sam Kirk's there. And so they immediately start you know, trying to detect life signs, and they're getting none. And so she comes up on this body, it's frozen, all you see is a hand. No life signs, anything? Still too much interference. Should be getting something. Captain, might not be a scanning problem. And so at this point, we're like, Okay, there's something out here now, and there's a threat. There's definitely a threat, but how big of a threat? Um, what kind of threat? We don't know. Yeah, and they got to get to the ship now. It's really the only way to answer the question of what's going on. And the thing that started, I started thinking about was, okay, so the Enterprise is gone. They've essentially stranded the crew. And if you notice, a couple of times when they try to communicate, they're having problems with their communicators too. So. There's a lot of interference, and there's really no way to contact the ship. Yeah, and not with each. Well, the ship has moved on. It's gone over to the the space station uh, to get those yeah. energy cells to them. So they're they're out of the picture anyway, completely. Yeah. And they're having difficulties yeah. communi- communicating with each other, other, which really sets up what's happening here. But that means that we're going to have one group over here, one group over there, and you just don't know what's going to happen at this point. So the suspense yeah. is already building, and I'm, I'm all in at this point. So they, they go to the bridge. Yeah, and uh, the first thing they want to do is establish if they can have power, what's going on. They want to figure out if anybody is alive. And they get there, and it's, you know, no life signs, and it's a mess. Oh, it's a complete mess, and there's, like, blood. You can see blood on one of the control panels. And so... Right. Either at this point they've had some kind of big fierce firefighter, or, or <laughs> there's some kind of monster running around. So, um, <laughs> hint, hint. Yeah. 
<laughs> yep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so the, the bridge is completely offline. The control the controls are they Hammer discovers that the controls have been wired to engineering, which is weird. Captain, the bridge is completely offline. Someone hardwired all the controls down to engineering. Why would they do that? Plasma in the main circuits. That's not typical. They were likely using energy from the warp core injectors as emergency power. But that would imply... No backup batteries, and the matter-antimatter reactor's busted. Clearly, I brought the right people for the job. And can you fix it? Perhaps. I'll have to work in engineering. So he's got to go down there, and uh, he takes Uhura with him to go find out if they can maybe restore power to the ship. Uh, yeah, and before he, the the two of them shoot off uh, to to engineering, Laan comes on board and she reports that there are twenty casualties. She's discovered twenty casualties, including yeah. the captain of the ship, and she hands Pike her her com badge. So Laan, you know, reports that there are twenty casualties, but she says that some of the body, bodies have been picked apart. So at my at this point, I'm just like, it's got to be the Gorn. It's got to be the Gorn. There's no yeah, other mean, possibility. I think we've been primed for that in the in the cold yeah. open. Uh, so and the I mean in the previously on, and so yeah. obviously we're we're dealing with the Gorn, even though they haven't quite figured it out yet. And so Doctor Mbinga says that the. You know, at that point, Dr. Biggs is like, well, it looks like the crew got caught out in a brutal storm and couldn't find their way home. And maybe they've, you know, and Lon's like, well, maybe they've been picked apart by animals. And I'm like, no, Deckham, it's the Gorn. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, they, and the brilliance, the brilliance of this, and please watch your language with the Deckhamet. Um, the brilliance of this, that was a joke. The brilliance yeah. of this is that they have been laying out these breadcrumbs all season with the Gorn. It's, it's, it's Lon's individual nightmare it has been uh discussed several times throughout the series this season and it was a big part of the, an earlier episode of course this is what it's going to be this is when star trek and uh next generation rather really was teeing up the board teeing it up teeing it up and then and the best of both worlds episode one which is the last episode of season three you know it's like we've you know they arrive at a site where it's just been completely devastated and they realize it's the Borg. And so that's the same kind of vibe we're getting here. Exactly. And so while this is going on, the, the other part of the away team comes across what appears to be a killing field. So there's blood on the, all, all yeah. on the ground. It's everywhere. And again, there's yeah. your second confirmation. Hello, it's yeah. the freaking Gorn. Because Hello, um, Gorn. We've, we, we've seen this giant <laughs> blood trail before in Momentum Mori. Uh, right. The funny thing is, we know what it is, but they still don't know. And that's what's making us crazy. It's like in the horror movie when they walk back into the house and you're like, don't walk back into the house. We know what's going on. But they don't. Exactly. And so Ahura is able to tap into the captain's logs and hears right. her, her what actually took place. And so... You know, she tees it off. They they basically picked up some refugees on a planet, and yeah. um, they didn't know what they didn't know, and they found out that a couple of those people were infected. So they were actually on a breeding planet. Peregrine was mapping non-Federation space when we found three castaways on an M-class planet. A human girl, a humanoid of unknown origin, and an Orion named Pasco. We rescued them, brought them aboard. Well, we didn't know, or we didn't know. Immediately, I'm like, okay, all right, so we, we're dealing with aliens here. This is the yeah. aliens 
uh, meet strange new worlds episode. And so I'm like ready right. for Ripley to come jumping out, you know, get away from and, her, you bitch. <laughs> and it, yeah, exactly. And you know, at this point that there's going to be a Ripley, it's probably going to be Laon because she's got that history. Uh, we just need to figure out who all the other characters are. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about Kirk in, in a little bit, but um, I don't mind at all that they are using this very obvious theme. I think it's a nod to aliens. I think they're borrowing with pride. I don't think they're stealing. And No, think, not at all. Not at all. Like everything else this season, they're taking elements of things that we love and putting it into this show. And I just, I'm just thrilled. I, I personally it. think it makes for a better show because there, there, yeah. there aren't that many original stories. But if you bring right. in elements, now you're creating something new even though yeah. you're, you're taking derivative parts. So I was excited. I, I was all in at this point. I'm like, okay, we, we know how this is going to go down. So in the um, in Captain's Log, she said that they were not able to de- detect these eggs, these Gorn eggs, right. through the biofilter. Until it was so, too late. Yeah, t- until it was you know, too late. And so you know, the stakes are being set. And Sorry. so the last tidbit of information was that things must on the ship must have gone completely out of control. And so the Orion, the, uh, the, the refugee that had the, the eggs inside of him, actually set off a plasma bomb to try to end his life. Yeah, and I, I think uh, I, it was so dramatic and such an incredible moment. And it also is another part of the puzzle that I think, you know, plays in later. Everything that they lay out in this episode is not by accident. So, you know... It behooved us to pay attention to just every little detail, everything that was said in this show, because it really did matter for this ninth episode. And I love episodes like this. And, you know, when I'm watching, I literally cannot multitask because this is one of those episodes where everything that's said, everything that happens has meaning. And lots of things are foreshadowings to what for what's to come. Without a doubt. So, you you know, they have us hooked in. I mean, the writers did a really, really good job with this. And so the last thing the captain says was, um, you know, if you're listening to this message, stay away. But all right, it's too late. We're all there now. Yeah. Yeah, again, it's the horror movie. To get out of the house. No, I think I'll stay for a while. You know? No, no, I think but I'll. No, uh, Want to see how this plays out? Yeah. Well, the, the thing that the thing that I was curious about is if there are no life signs, why are they still there? They're not there for a rescue mission anymore. But they're but also they there to the retrieve the ship. They have to right. retrieve the ship. That's Just what they were sent there to ship. do. Yeah. It's yep. secondary yep. to the rescue. But um, yep. so, you know, ops was coming online and they detected two life signs. One human. One not human. And, and that's like, what I'm starting to think. Is Whoa. that the Gorn? <laughs> <laughs> so this, this uh, one undetected life sign, this, this one yeah. unknown li- life sign, is, that, is that, that, that life sign chasing the one human life sign? So that's, right. you know, the, they it throw, the it, yeah. yeah it, it, so you're sitting there going, okay, so what's happening? So my brain went, you know, that direction. I went, you know, just going, okay, well, maybe... You know, they're going to stop this one last human from being hunted down and killed. So maybe that's what's going to happen. So they're uh, dispatched to go find out who it is. Captain, ops are coming online. I have two life signs on deck five. Human or gone? One human. The other... Unknown. Hammer, keep powering up whenever you can. And Lon, Ohura, you're with me.
So they get down there to the next deck, and they're, I think Pike is leading, right? It's and, not Pike, Laon, and Uhura. So and they're, Uhura, they're walking. Right? Yeah, Uhura's they're walking on, down one of the corridors, and boom, right. somebody jumps out. Door opens. Yeah, and it is not the Gorn, but it is one of the best aliens I've ever seen in Star Trek. And the reason is because most aliens have a humanoid body and a human face with just some prosthetics on the forehead or the nose or the ears, for the most part. You or know, a human body with a giant freaking head. Yeah, yeah, like 1968 Gorn. But this thing walks out, and it's, it's the most incredible prosthetics, not prosthetics, it's, it's, it's animatronics. So you can tell that the person behind it, the shoulders of the alien are actually where the head goes, and the head and the face are way down past what would be our chin, and it's a fully uh, moving, emotion-emitting uh, animatronic face of this alien. I was blown away. I thought that was incredible. Yeah, and, you know, normally when I see aliens, I'm, I'm kind of taken out of the moment. Because I, yeah. I, they, they've in past shows they've done such a um, a poor job with limited budgets, of course, and yeah. it's just one of those things that sometimes you get taken out of the moment because the 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 alien prosthetics look so terrible. But this one was seamless, and so I was just like, "All right," I'm, you know, I was completely sucked in, and so you know they're startled, you know, Pykelon and Nahura, and they draw their weapons. <laughs> What's he saying? Universal translator isn't processing it. I heard do something. That's not how linguistics works. <laughs> Wait. It's two life signs, right? <laughs> he might be protecting someone. We should lower our weapons. Their um, universal translators aren't working, obviously, because the ion field and everything, you know, everything is just, sure. you know, all technology is pretty much shot. Yeah. And so Lon just laugh. turns to her and is like, do something. <laughs> She's <laughs> like, that's not how linguistics work. And I thought that was so right. funny. You know, just I'm just going to yeah. walk up to him and just start talking. No, and, you right. know, her job just is the like, language. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I thought that was a really hilarious moment. But Uhura steps up in this moment and and. and steps forward and gives well, she reassurance. Pike to, yeah. She, yeah, and she gives, convinces Pike and, the, and Laon to lay down their arms, which Pike does. You know, he's that kind of leader where he, you know, he's not like, no, my way, you know, bust through, but yeah, I'm going to listen to her and puts trusts her and she walks up and, and makes contact, so to speak, with this alien. Yeah, and so that calms him down, and the alien yeah. leads them to this human girl. And so immediately, I'm just like, it's Newt. It's Newt. <laughs> For aliens. Yeah. Right. So meanwhile, Spock and, and Chapel are in another part of the ship, and they're talking uh, uh, about Vulcan emotions. They get into this, this, this whole back and forth about it, and Spock talks about how succumbing to um, emotion is dangerous for a Vulcan. Thankfully, the teachings of Serac allow me to purge such things. One does not take pride in logic. I understand that uh, Vulcans have a strong, hidden, primal nature. I bet you're a tempest when you're angry. It is true that without proper mindfulness, Vulcan emotion is dangerous. We use logic to not succumb to anger. It's good to get mad sometimes. Again, a another scene not wasted. 
I think that, you know, some of the other shows that we've seen with Star Trek have been guilty of this, where they just kind of have a scene to have a scene, they have a moment to have a moment, it doesn't really go anywhere, it doesn't even really mean anything or advance the story. So Everything in this show matters, means something, and plugs into something else. And there's a reason. And we've seen Spock struggle with his human side, his Vulcan side, and now this very Vulcan side of we have suppressed our anger, which in, you know, in our race runs extremely deep with logic. And Chapel's like, okay, great, but sometimes you just got to let it out. And yeah, it's good to get mad Again, sometimes. not a wasted, yeah, not a, not a wasted moment. Yeah. So Ahura and Himmer, I I really enjoyed this scene because it was a continuation of another yeah. scene they had when they were, excuse me, stuck down in engineering and had to you know help save the ship. I uh, So the two of them are working. And earlier in the episode, when um, <laughs> the cadets were being congratulated for making it, making it through their 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 tour on the ship. Yeah. Um, you know, Uhura was, you know, still just kind of not into it, not into yeah. being a part of the crew and, and really going, you know, 100 percent in. And so it, it led to an interesting conversation with Hammer just about, you know, you know, people always find their way way back to Starfleet, and Himmer, you know, Himmer pointed out that Uhura is scared of putting down roots. Right, and didn't it, it was it was kind of the opposite. I, I think the conversation was something around you're not afraid of of uh, danger and adventure. You're you're afraid of putting down these roots and and maybe caring about someone who you could lose. <laughs> deep down that scares you because the real fear is putting down roots so now you're a ship's counselor <laughs> i understand it is better to leave than to be the one left behind but that's wrong you create bonds it's a gift of course the people you care about are going to cause you pain it will hurt but the love it yields will far outweigh the sorrow yeah he said creating bonds is a gift he said that the people you care about will bring sorrow. So caring for people will bring yeah. you sorrow because there's always something to lose. And that was a reference yep. to her family. Um, you yes. know, she's still scarred by that. But creating bonds and is a gift. Or, yeah, and or it was a, a, a foreshadowing. You know what I mean? Because yes. she's going to be in Starfleet. And if that's, if that's what she chooses, you're going to lose people. Yeah, I mean, you know, he said something really profound, you know, Love relationships they they what they yield far outweigh the sorrow. So yeah. you know it's just they they go together, but the sorrow part is is minuscule compared to all all of the good they can come from having those bonds. So back at Sig Bay, um, the girl's sitting there, and her name we find out her name is Oriana, and mm-hmm. uh, she she wants to get the heck off the planet, <laughs> you know, and. Yeah. Uh, they, they ask about the alien, and she's named him Buckley. So I, th- I just thought that was hilarious. But right. Laon just goes, like, straight into her like she's being yeah. interrogated. And I was like, whoa, you know, where are they going? Well, where again, are they going? Are you infected? Is he? I told you the regions are clean. Where are the gore? It's okay, Buckley. Got this. The monsters are gone. 
Why didn't you tell the captain about the Gorn eggs when they saved you? And this is this is what I like. We know why she's doing this. They've built this story over nine episodes. They've done it with every character. They have just layered these characters in such a great way that there's no mystery as to why she's acting that way. We know exactly what's going on with her. She knows as an actress what to do and where she's been. Um, God, it's just, it was just really good. But yeah, lays into the girl... And, of course, the girl's like, I don't know. And then, you know, uh, Dr. Uh, Mbenga steps Mbenga in. has to step in, and he has a really incredible moment, which I loved, where he says, stop harassing my daughter. Why did you stay quiet? Lieutenant? You could have saved them. Lon, stop harassing my daughter. And I, I, I don't know if there's any Walking Dead fans out there, but uh, I think it was season three, there was an incredible episode called Bury Me Here, where one character who had lost his son to the to the Walking Dead uh, was talking about another boy, and he named him his son instead of the actual kid, and he just realizes, my God, he's not my son, and just this that incredible moment was just so you could just feel because you know we're parents, and anyone who's a parent out there just knows that losing a child is just so horrific, and so we knew what Mbenga was going through too. Just in that one line, it was just great the way they built his stories. Yeah, and so basically Lon kind of debriefs everyone and just basically lays lays out the stakes. You know, one one Gorn can kill everybody, but we have, yeah. you know, you know, we're we're in a situation where just one could kill everyone and we, there could be several here. We could be outmatched. And this is where the tensions really starting to build. The music's starting to really reflect it. it it's just I, I don't want to say masterful, but it's just the way that the director, um, Christopher Byrne, put it together uh, w- was just so well done. I just, ah, oh God, he just really built the tension. Yep. So Spock, Spock, so Spock is walking alone in the hall, in one of the corridors, and you see more blood on the floor. You see trails of blood going into the air ducts. Yep. And, uh, you know, Pike actually startles Spock. And, and, and it startles me because it's like all of a sudden he gets a tap on the shoulder and it's like... <gasps> You know what's behind him, <laughs> and it's uh-huh. and it's Pike, and uh, it's Mbenga kind of jokes and about Mbenga. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and so uh, that was that was a, another one of those eerie moments because they're string they're really stringing us along and going down any corridors. I mean, straight up, you know, just like aliens. Anytime they were yeah. walking in dark passageways, you, you at any given time something could jump out and kill you, and so you're yeah. always sitting on the edge of your your seat. And I was on the edge of my seat because I should know when the next big threat was coming. But uh, we mm-hmm. go back to sick bay and the aliens wheezing, and I was just like, "Oh yeah. boy, here, here we, we go. go!" He doesn't have a cold, right? No, <laughs> no it's yeah. not a cold. <laughs> and even cough even though due he to had cold. Anima- <laughs> cough due to cold, yeah. Try some Robitussin. Even though he it was animatronic, you could still tell. He's like, <laughs> you just know something's going to happen. We saw this oh, yeah. in the original Alien with John Hurt when the alien came out of his chest. So oh, yeah. What and happens? So, so Lon, you know, is not sorry. So Nurse Chapel checks him out and you can yep. see that there's just these red coursing veins on his skin they're like everywhere and they're pulsating and, and they're pulsating. And so I'm just like, uh, get back. <laughs> Run. <laughs> Run. Um, but but the two nurses there, and one of them is the cadet that was also recognized at the beginning of the show. Uh, they Try to get him on a table and try to help him out. Well, that doesn't go well. All right up there. 
and and meanwhile, uh, our Newt, you know, uh, Oriana, yeah. the little girl, she she starts backing up and she tucks herself around the corner and covers her mouth. Well, I, I thought that was just an incredible piece of tension too. I loved that. I don't know where I've seen that before, but I have seen it maybe um, a quiet place or something. But for her to scoot around there, find a corner, hide, and then cover her mouth with both her hands. I, I thought that was such an incredible device, so dramatic for a little child to know exactly what to do and to be so terrified. I was right in that moment. Yep, and then true to form, we knew what was going to happen. It was that time. <laughs> yep. The alien's body cracks open and uh, several yep. Gorn hatchlings come out, and I'm just like, oh, crap. And I, I mean, it's well, getting they, fun they, now. They, it's getting fun. Yeah, they, they don't just come out. They they shoot out. And yep. one of them and kill, immediately... And yeah, it immediately kills the cadet right there where she's standing. Um, and within several seconds, she's lying there in a pool of blood, of her own blood. Yeah, and Nurse Chapel comes around the corner and sees this and scurries, yeah. scurries, you know, scurries off. And then she, luckily for her, uh, jumps onto one of the medical tables and puts up the force field. Yeah, that was super smart and super lucky. And it's a good thing they had the power. Um, I half expected aliens to start trying to pound on it, but... I think they were off to do something else. But unfortunately, we just lost the alien and we just lost our cadet. We just lost a crew member. Yeah, but the uh, casualties will start mounting. So Pike, Spock, uh, Lieutenant Kirk, and the new lieutenant, the, the guy that was promoted. I keep, Duke. Uh, lieutenant, <laughs> I keep forgetting that Duke, Lieutenant Duke. Yep. I mean, Duke from G.I. Joe, but not as buff. <laughs> Yeah. Right. <laughs> so uh, so they're they're in the corridor and then you know, lo and behold, one of the hatchlings jumps down on his neck and starts attacking him. And Well, you know what's interesting? Yeah. What was interesting about that, Anthony, was they also kind of took us at a left turn there because he walks up and he's like, Ah, I hurt my arm and you're like, No, no, that's where they infect you. And we thought at any moment, you know, uh, an alien would come out of his arm or, you know, something like that. Yeah, and but he, kind of he a, just got burned from the conduit. Yeah, he's just like, I just got burned. So they're like, ah, okay, stand over there. So he stands over there, and the next thing you know, you know, from behind him, he gets grabbed and, and dragged down the uh, corridor. You know, the music's screaming, he's screaming, and Pike does a really interesting thing. He starts shooting at, you know, um, Duke is being dragged by his feet. He starts shooting beyond his feet. But I, you don't really see what's pulling him. And I thought that was an interesting shot. Oh, he gets pulled into the darkness. Yes, the darkness. So two down, <laughs> more to go. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and two that have been promoted. Think about that. Duke. Yeah, I, I, don't, think I, I don't think and, I want a promotion. And, and yeah, exactly. She, was, she finished her tour and just headed back to, yeah. I don't know, war college. Who knows? Right. But, uh, yeah, you don't want a promotion in this, uh, this episode. But no. uh, so back in Sigbay, Nurse Chapel is, you know, you know tipping Frozen around. Frozen solid. She, She's terrified. Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, I, I would be, too, because you don't know when one of these little hatchlings yeah. is going to jump out and rip you to shreds. And so, right. um, you know, all of a sudden, Lon busts in there. And, yeah. um, you know, they've, they've, they've realized that the, the Gorn somehow have been able to, you know, really avoid these, these, um, sensors. Yeah. And, and that's, what's interesting is that that's a new twist on, I think almost any alien that's not already invisible. They're very visible. They're very loud. They move quick, but somehow their biology has adapted to make them kind of stealth in a way. Um, which just adds another layer of just complete 
terror. So in order to figure that out, Lon has to trade the medical pad with the phaser weapon. And just that exchange there where she has to like kind of snap Chapel out of it for a second and then hand her the weapon. Again, Chapel just played it great. She just was terrified. You could see it. Yeah, and so they end up stumbling over the little girl, and I guess in one of the cargo holes in one of the colder, colder yeah. parts of the ship. And so we real Lon reveals that you know the Gorn hate the cold, and so yeah. that, and the girl all, then reveals that the crew had tried to trick the Gorn into going outside out of the snow. Yeah, yeah, that didn't necessarily work because they got back in. Yep. Yep, and a lot of the crew got killed out there in the snow, I guess, before the Gorn froze. <laughs> yeah, they either got, they got shredded or they froze themselves. It's probably oh, yeah. both. Oh, yeah, exactly, because we've seen that blood trail. So, um, you uh, know, in that moment, Lon's having flashbacks to her brother telling her to run. Uh, and, and, again, they've been seeding that throughout the whole episode, too. So she's, what she sees now, and, and I think this is an important moment, is she's looking at the little girl when she has that flashback. So she almost sees herself as that lone survivor because the little girl's a lone survivor, as was La'an. Um, and you just know that she's going to somehow imprint on that little girl somehow, you know? Um, exactly, exactly. More, more to come on that. Yeah. But the good thing is that, you know, Himmer and uh, Ahur have uh, finally got the ship back online. So power's up. And then boom, boom, boom. <laughs> guess who shows well, up? Not a hatchling. Yeah, uh, not a hatchling. No. But a molted <laughs> teenage mutant ninja Gorn. We need to make a run for it. It's funny the way they teed up that scene because um, I think this is the only part of the episode that I would have changed is they they turn on the power and then suddenly Hammer says, I smell blood. And it's like, you didn't smell it before? You're blind. Why do you need lights? Suddenly the lights and the power help you smell blood. <laughs> exactly. So I thought that was a bit of a, a left turn. But Well, maybe the air um, condition came on. I don't know. <laughs> Oh, you know what? Maybe the fans. Yeah, totally. Environmental totally systems direction. are up. I, yeah. I, I will give him that for sure. Um, but, uh, you know, the second someone says, I, says, I smell blood, that's going to be a problem. So, yeah, we see the Gorn in its next stage. Yeah, the evolution. And it spits this venom right into the face <laughs> of Hammer. Right. Burns him a little. And he's like, oh, you know, th that sucks. He, he's always, I love the way he plays his character. Like, it doesn't feel great. He never, you know, he never <laughs> yeah. too much or too little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> never too much, never too little. And his lines, yeah. you know, sit perfectly. And so. Yeah, I love his lines. Uh, yeah, they're about to get shredded by, by this uh, right. this Gorn. I mean, they're, they're about to get toast. And just in, just in the nick of time, Lon shows up again and fires a warning shot at it. And it scurries right. off. And off it goes, right? Yeah, so Lon they gotta is get him definitely Ripley bait. here. Lon is definitely, oh, yeah. definitely Ripley. Yeah. Yep. She's just not walking around in a, in a loader, you know, that, that yellow loader. Where, right, exactly, you know. exactly. 
<laughs> if they did that, that, that would have turned me out. But okay. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. They, so, they, they kept it right in the right spot. But they all go back to Sick Bay. So the whole away team is sitting, sitting in Sick Bay. And yeah. they really, they finally get one of the hatchlings that, that, that they had killed. And they yeah. were, you know, basically, you know, doing an autopsy on Checking it. it and, yeah. Yeah. And, and so basically, uh, its biology, the Gorn biology, renders it virtually invisible to sensors. And um, it also has the defense where you really can't, uh, you know, telepathically connect to it. So that's why Hammer couldn't do it. Medical officer's analysis. Fascinating. The Gorn's biological makeup renders them invisible to all of our sensors. Genetic chameleon. That's how I miss them inside of Buckley. Right, and and to which Spock says, that's impressive, and that springs uh, Lieutenant Kirk out, and he's just like, What? You think that's impressive? I almost expected him to call him you, you green-blooded inhuman, like you know. But it was definitely shades of J.J. Abrams' Star Trek 2009, where uh, where Cadet, Kirk, uh, where James Kirk, Kirk is like, yeah, where you know, yeah, where James T. Kirk basically gets Spock to relinquish his command because he's been emotionally compromised. Yeah, you never loved her, right? So, but, but Spock loses, yeah, ah, Spock loses it there, but this Spock does not. You think this is impressive? It was merely an observation. He killed Duke right in front of Spock. Doesn't that hit you somewhere deep inside? No, nothing. You just need to reboot navigation. Can you feel anything? Or even some heartless, pointy-eared computer? Hey! He, he keeps it, he keeps, he, yeah, he bottles up his emotions. And even yep, when, even when, even when Lieutenant Kirk, you know, basically calls him a slur, you know, you feel anything? Are you some heartless, pointy-eared computer? Which is like the worst insult you can give to a, a Vulcan is to call him a computer. Yeah, but Pike shuts it down. Yeah, he does. And here's another thing I find interesting. Uh, aren't there? There doesn't seem to be a a, a re respect for rank on this show, like. Lieutenants get to talk to commanders that way, you know. I guess yeah, he's not he a was, commander he was, yet. Yeah, no, yeah, he was way out of line. Yeah, I think I think he's lieutenant. So you know, at this point, you know, our our whole goal now is to get this ship up in the air. <laughs> you know, well, first, yeah. find and kill the Gorn and get the ship up in the air and get the hell yeah, out of there. And they get up there. Yeah, yeah, but they've got to get rid of the last Gorn uh, hatchling. So they they basically come up with a plan. And so the biggest thing is that these the Gorn are alphas you know they take out each other which yeah. makes me wonder how do you have a whole society they built ships and all kinds of things is it just the alphas go after each other or do all the going go after Maybe. each other for supremacy i don't know well it's hard to tell well it's the same could be of the klingon if they're a warrior race why aren't they fighting with each other how are they going into space all the all the time sometimes. but i guess i guess somebody has to yield well that or i think maybe klingon technology was stolen maybe gorn technology was stolen they don't. They don't seem to be intelligent. They seem to be. Well, maybe they're intelligent, but they. No, no, no. They, they're they hella intelligent. Predators. They're, yeah, they're they're definitely intelligent enough to fly the ship. So, um, but maybe okay. it's just a battle of the the people who want to be alpha. I mean, it's just like with, yeah. uh, you know, rams. You're not all every single ram is ramming each sure. other. They're, it's just the the, the two true. top yeah. dogs. And so, yep. you know, Lawn points makes that point very very clear. So let's exploit that. You know, yeah, with the hatchlings. Force them into the warm areas. Yeah, but the biggest thing is they have to kill them before they become adults, because once they become adults, they're all toast. The hatchlings have begun molting, but they aren't fully mature. 
this stage, younglings have an intense drive for alpha dominance. The two left will be the strongest, the smartest, and extremely hostile to each other. That's weak spot. We can work together. That's our advantage. No matter what, we have to kill them now. We'd have no chance even against one adult Gorn. So the plan is to flush them, flush them out, and uh, yeah. get them to engineering so they could could kill them. So, um, so Nurse Chapel, you know, Lee lures one, and she's running around, and yep. um, uh, then and we spots. see it from the Gorn's perspective, which yeah. I love. It's like that predator perspective where you oh, can yeah. see their, and I, their and heat I loved signature. It. I loved it. It was yeah. it was really really cool. And uh, Spock, yeah. you know, ends up luring one into the transporter room, and so does uh, Laon. So they they lock him in there, and then the the two Gorn battle it out. So there's going to be an alpha. Yeah, which is great. And so uh, uh, and you just you hear the screaming between the two of them. You're like, great. Once we figure out which one you know wins, then we got to take him on. Yeah. And what was really great right before that, when Spock was trying to lure him, he was firing. You know, to lure yeah. the Gorn out, and it wasn't happening. And then, you know, Lon tells him, you know, basically, you, you got to get mad. It reminds me of um, uh, Dodgeball. You got to get angry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so Spock stops himself, and he says, you know, from from inside into my heart. So he's he's taking what he's suppressed and what his race has suppressed for centuries, and he lets it into his heart, and it, you can just see immediately... He becomes a different person. And he's just like, You know, the end result happens just like Lon predicted. You know, one of the Gorn takes out the other. So we have an alpha running around here, but we still got to kill it before it becomes a full-fledged adult. And so this is where Lon fully becomes Ripley, you know. So, you know, she's she's running, she's luring that Gorn and takes it down the engineering where Hemmer is. And so Hemmer jumps in a jumps in one of the um, containers, and then Lon does too, mm-hmm. but then Himmer activates basically liquid nitrogen, you know, from one of the conduits yeah. and freezes that yeah. corn. Instantly. Like, yep. like he's Mr. Freeze. So that thing just is ice cold. Am I not? It's just you and me. Fight me! Come on, fight me! Yeah, and then, and then Lon destroys it. <laughs> well, I, you know, again, I, I just, I, I see so many echoes from past um, movies and TV shows. It reminded me of when Picard snapped the spine of the Borg Queen at the end of First Contact. You know, just like, you know, it's over. And she just cuts that damn thing in half with all the yellow goo coming out of it and all that. It was great. Yep. And then, yeah. but, and here's the thing. Like every episode this season... Basically, that ends the episode, but we got 10 minutes left. And so I love <laughs> that they do this. They always do this. They kind of wrap it up and it's 40 and you know they're going to end at 50. And you're like, okay, so what's next? And but my wait, God, is there a lot more? Next? So everybody's celebrating and we got them. We did the job. 
and yeah. you know we've we've killed them all. And Laon basically yeah. says, "Not quite." And then we turn to Hammer, and he's starting to hem and haw, and he's starting to be uncomfortable in his skin. And we realize immediately that that venom that was spewed at him didn't just burn him; it infected him. He's infected with. He was a host. Yep. And they say, you know, he goes, "I don't know." The Gorn, but I know my body, and I'm infected. Hammer, what's going on? I may not be able to sense them, but I know my own body very well. The spray is more than a venom. It's how they reproduce. Captain, open the door. I, I can't. I do not want anyone to try to stop me. You can extract them. And so everybody's screaming because they can't quite open up that door. And, you know, Nurse yeah. Chapel's like, you know, you know, we can, we can, we can extract them. But, you know, but Hammer's like, there's no yeah. time. There's no time to do yeah. that. And, man, you know, he, he, we know what's about to happen. Hammer is, is well, making that decision. Yeah. And, and, you know, I've said since the beginning of this episode, I, I'm a, of the only characters I've looked up, Bruce Horak is the only one I've looked up really as a bio, I find him fascinating. The guy who plays Hammer, and <clears throat> he's this eclectic artist. He's he's like ninety percent blind in his left eye, hundred percent blind in his right eye. <clears throat> he does this artwork that, from his perspective, this is what the world looks like to me. He's always done Broadway and shows, and he's always just been kind of all over the place. And I've said before on this podcast, I bet he doesn't last long. He just doesn't seem like the kind of person that would probably stay with the show. And when he got infected. You just knew he, he can't, he has to sacrifice himself. And I, I found it to bo be both poetically beautiful for the character and for the actor, because I don't see the actor staying on that series long. And it looks like that's exactly what happens. He decides, I'm going to sacrifice myself, just like the uh, Orion did uh, on the Peregrine. Yeah, I mean, this caught me off guard. I didn't see it coming. I mean, I knew he got... You did you know, not spray. No, no, no. I know he got sprayed with venom. I wasn't expecting him to exit and you know, die. I didn't. I didn't think they were going to kill off one of the uh, senior staff. Well, they but do, I remember they that. do. They, yeah, and they do everything on purpose. I don't think there's any wasted moments in this show. And when he got sprayed, I thought that may this may be it. That may come back to bite us. Now, yeah, but I was still expecting an eleventh hour save. That sure, something well, like, was about yeah, to maybe, happen. Yeah, if activate the emergency beamer, beam, you know, beam out and beam the alien out of him. But you can't, because you can't get a lock on the alien because it can't be detected. So there's no way to to help him other than then help the crew. And it's everything stops and Hammer delivers a goodbye to the crew and then especially to Uhura, which is just poignant and beautiful. I mean it it wrapped up everything that both characters had been going through in their nine-episode arc. Uhura, I want to leave you with one last piece of advice. Open yourself. Make a home for yourself amongst others, and you will find joy more often than sadness. Hammer. Please. Do not weep for me. I've had a good life. 
Yeah, and so he basically tells a horror to open yourself, open yourself, make a home for yourself amongst yeah. others, and you'll find, you know, joy more often than sadness. And I, you like you said, it was really, really profound. And so Himmer had, you know, found his purpose. Remember, he talked about his purpose in the in the previous yes. episode with a horror, and so. This was his purpose. His purpose was fulfilled. And he takes that leap off of the ship. It was really sad. It was really sad. I, I have to tell you, he, he decides to go to the edge of the ship. And they don't do this haphazardly. They don't do this casually. They show a very long shot of the tail of the ship. And you just catch an image of a white-headed figure falling slowly in what seems like a really long fall against a frozen landscape. It's a huge shot with a tiny figure in the middle of it, and it's silent, and you don't hear him land. And I, It was just poetic. I, I, what a beautiful way to go. I mean, it, I, I almost had tears in my eyes, i got to say. And I'm going to miss him. Yeah, I mean, it was perfectly executed, and I was really just happy, not happy that him or die, but happy in the fact that the writers for the show aren't afraid to do what has been done on right. Battlestar Galactica, The Expanse, you know, shows yeah. shows like that where they, you know, at any given time, a main character can go. No one's well, safe. You know, we, next, next Generation lost Tasha Yar. Um, yeah, but there was behind the, the scenes the that season. actually her exit was, you know. Yeah, there's problems. Yeah. Yeah. There were <laughs> behind the scenes issues. Uh, no disrespect. Yeah. But I, um, but yeah. yeah. So they had to write her out. But you know, yeah. Battlestar and some of the other other shows. I mean, that's part of yeah. that's their signature thing. <laughs> no way yeah. to say Ronald so Moore. It, yep, Ronald D. Moore, who yeah. came from right. Star Trek world. Star Trek. Yeah, who wrote some yeah. of my favorite episodes of TNG. So the next scene is we've we're having now the services or the funeral for the for the three fallen crew member Hemmer in the center of course. Uh, the cadet, nurse, and then uh, Lieutenant Duke. And what I liked about that was, again, Pike isn't in the center like Kirk going, this was the most human. It's like, no, he's letting everybody speak. Everyone has a voice in this. And they all say something of their recollection of what they appreciate. And it was nice. It wasn't long. It wasn't sappy. It was good. Yeah, and it, it kind of bookended what happened at the front, the, at the beginning of the show when Pike was yeah. celebrating the achievements of the of these three. Yes. And so Yeah, um, and only one made it. <laughs> yep, only one made it. Where's the last one standing? I hate funerals. But if Hammer was here, he would remind us that this is a celebration. Exalt the fallen and commit them to the cosmos. And then he would have scolded me for pushing the engines too hard. And I would have called him a blue meanie. And we laughed. And it wouldn't have felt like a funeral. One funny thing, though, I'm like, yeah. uh, did anybody check that girl? <laughs> Are we sure she doesn't have any green eggs? <laughs> Is this going to end right. on a happy note and all of a sudden it ends on a cliffhanger? Well, with, no, because <laughs> because if it was if it was at 40 minutes and they were doing the hammer funeral and, and the lieutenant's funeral, uh, I'd say maybe. But no, this is the end. So this is the point where it, this feels like the end of the season, even though it's episode nine. It feels like they're starting to wrap some things up. Spock leaves the funeral, and we can see that he's got, you know, in his hands that expressive anger. He's clenching his fists, 
And Chapel follows up on him and 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 tries to engage him, but he grabs her arm says, <laughs> angrily. Yeah, yeah, and he's like, "I do not follow me. You know, you you won't like what happens." I can't control the rage. Spock, do not follow me. What's going on? I'm warning you. Back off. Let something out. Rage, pain. It's your emotions. My mind has gotten weak. No, no. It doesn't make you weak, Spock. It makes you human. But she stops him and says, well, hang on a second. Maybe you can't. And she offers a very, I don't know if it's platonic or not, but a nice hug. And he doesn't stand there. He leans into that hug. And they hug each other like friends, lovers, compatriots, you know, it was a hug. The, oh, the kiss oh, they had it, it, it was two a, weeks it, ago was a kiss. Yes. And the hug they had tonight was a was hug. a hug. A real bona fide emotional wow. hug. And she told him, you know, right. having emotion doesn't make you weak, just human. And yeah. and so when and they here pulled we are again, are you? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. And so when they pulled, uh, when they came out of the hug, there's that moment where I'm like, okay, oh, my gosh. Come on now, Spock, are yep. you going to cheat on T'Pring? Is are you about to kiss this girl yeah. now for real? Uh, I wasn't sure. It looked like it was about to happen. But it didn't. <laughs> Instead, he walked away. We cut to, we yeah, he walks away. We cut to Pike. He's in his quarters again with that wonderful fireplace, which I love. And uh, La'an is there. Now, this I didn't see coming. Uh, she enters the quarters, and she says in no uncertain terms, I I cannot resolve my issues here on the Enterprise. I want to go with this girl. I want to help her learn and recover in ways that I wasn't able to. And yep. she's basically asking Pike, Pike for, for permission to take time, time off, leave of absence. I'd like to request a formal leave of absence. Decommission me if you have to, but I need the freedom to go where the clues take me. Said no. Would it make a difference? And um, he grants it to her, and he tells her, you know, take as long as you need. So uh, once again, Pike Which, is very generous. Yeah, it, but it, I, I'm bummed because that means, first of all, that means she's not going to be in the season finale, and it may mean that she's not back. And now we've lost two of my favorite crew members. And uh, I don't know how anyone listening feels about Laan and Hammer, but I thought they were strong characters. And I'm sad that she's leaving. I, I want to find out why. I'm going to have to go online and figure out why she's leaving. I don't think she's leaving. I don't think she's leaving. They're not giving up her. She's too good. She's a, you got to okay, have that security I don't know. No. It felt like she was leaving, man. If she's, she's going to she leave, she's going leave out with absence. a bang. If she's, if she's leaving the show, she's going out in a you know, fistful of fury. Okay. Yeah, there's no All way. Right. I just, so I maybe just, she I just doesn't do the. So she doesn't do the the last episode, and she's back next season. You think? Yeah, maybe so. Because uh, number one wasn't in this episode outside of being at the top. She was gone the whole time. Okay, then here's what I will bet you: two bars of gold plus press latinum that she is not back in the second season. Okay. All right, then that's a bet. I'll give you two triples. Okay. Oh, I love it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah. And the, the last the last shot we see which is the perfect denouement to this episode 
and the nine arc, nine episode arc that we've had is Uhura walks onto the bridge slowly and we can tell she's not walking onto the bridge. She's coming home. Yeah. Yeah. Her decision looks like it's been made. Yeah. And it's because of Hammer. And you know that that's going to be a huge part of her story going forward. How and why she stayed in Starfleet, after all, when she's not that kind of person. Yeah. I mean, this was a, an awesome episode. I really, really enjoyed it. You know, we've been anticipating that episode 9 mm-hmm. and 10 were going to be big episodes. Okay, so Anthony, um, before we get on to the next uh, episode, next week, which is the season finale, and a surprise that we have for our listeners, why don't we count down our top three favorite moments of episode nine? So here are our top three moments of episode nine, All Those Who Wander. I'll start uh, my number three uh, uh, favorite moment uh, was just seeing the ship and the graphics. I thought that, you know, like you had said a million times, they're saving money in episode eight for episode nine and ten. I think they, I think you were right <laughs> because the graphics alone, with 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 everything that they did, but just that those shuttles coming in and landing and then showing the ship, the Peregrine off in the background. I just loved the graphics and the 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 CGI this this uh, week. I, I thought it was just really stellar, so to speak. Yeah, for me, number three isn't a moment as much as it was a theme. I love the tension and suspense. Those, oh, yeah, yeah. Tension and suspense yeah. all the way through from yeah. top to bottom. I enjoyed that thoroughly in every scene. You just didn't know what was going to happen. And it kept me on the edge of my seat. So it's not a moment, but it's a theme. And I, and I like that. Yep, and and I gotta I gotta take that for my number two because that was my number two was just the director uh, Christopher Byrne and his ability to build that tension to make forty four minutes feel like a two hour tension filled movie like Aliens. The music was perfect, the acting was great. Uh, yeah, for me that was my number two the tension. Okay. Um, and my number two was basically Lon. I mean, being Ripley in this episode. I enjoyed that thoroughly. <laughs> I, I was just yeah. like, here we go. Yep. She she yeah. took charge in this this episode and I really appreciated it. She 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 went in hard. And now you you know, and I was worried about Laon's character being a one note, but at least this paid off. Yeah, I I was saying that early on, and she really won me over last week in the episode <laughs> when she's playing this frilly character and I'm like oh she has dimension and then she was fantastic suddenly just overnight she just was great I think that episode was written for her uh, so I agree that was great but uh, my number one moment this week was the last shot of Hemmer falling from the edge of the ship into the cold abyss that one single shot from very far away falling as if he would fall forever almost silence except for the, the pulsating music and just the beauty of that moment of sacrifice and saying goodbye to that character, uh, I, I, it's going to stick with me. I mean, it really touched me. Yeah, I'm going to back you on that one. That was really, really good. I mean, it just, they could have done that so many different ways, and it, and 
you know, yeah. not executed the right way, but they did it perfectly. And now here's a sneak peek at Star Trek Strange New World's season finale, A Quality of Mercy. Apologies, I, I think I need a moment. I'm sorry, he just gets a little excited. It's totally fine, I'm just feeling a little under the weather. Number one in Spock can answer any further questions you have. Boy, he's one of the names you mentioned. Yes, I wasn't expecting that. There's two cadets who don't make it. He's one of them. You don't have to face this alone. What are you going to do? I don't know. I have to do something, don't I? Okay, so once again, they're showing us a scene. They're not showing us a montage of scenes. Uh, Pike is in some kind of conference room, probably on a star base with Una and Spock, and he's giving some good news to one of his commanders, and the commander's son uh, runs in, and Pike's like, oh, hi, and the commander says, oh, if you don't mind, my son's a big, you know, you're a big hero to him, he's a big admirer of yours, can he please say hi? And Pike's like, of course, what's the big deal? Sure, hi. And the, the father goes, this is my son, Mott. And Pike boom, just boom. loses all, all color in his face. And he's like, what'd you say your name is? And the kid goes, Mott. And, you know, the kid's staring at him like, I admire you. And Pike just goes, I gotta go. So he stands up and starts to walk out. And the commander's like, sir, I'm really sorry. I just, you know, he gets over anxious and excited. I apologize, it won't happen again. And Pike's like, no, 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 it's not that at all. I just, I don't feel well. He goes out into the corridor and Una's there. And she's like, what's up? It's the, it's the... It's that thing again, the future, right? Is that one of the boys? And he says, yes, he's one of the two boys that, that dies as a cadet on the mission where I'm injured. Yep. And she's like, what are you going to do with this? And he goes, I don't know. And that's the teaser. So I love it. That's, now, see, that's yeah. a great teaser because we just, you know, we, we're bringing back the theme, you know, that, you know, Pike is on a timetable, a diminishing yeah. timetable. And I love that we haven't, you know, touched on it in a while because you can't keep using that vehicle over and over and over again. But this, what a great way to go into the season finale with a moment that, yeah, you know, that, you know, rips him to his core. Yeah. And, you know, I was curious how they would handle this because we saw it in the first episode and they have talked about it a lot. It hasn't been too much. It hasn't been too little where it's like we totally forgot about it. It's maybe, I would say, it's more on the side of too much than too little. But it seems to be right down the middle that they've been laying these breadcrumbs out. But how interesting is, is it that where every episode doesn't end, uh, ends at 40 and then you've got something left, the season ends at 9 and then you've got an episode left to you know add another story. And that's Pike's story. So whoever's putting this together has a really interesting way of telling these stories and i just can't wait to see how this ends i'm gonna be so bummed when it's over oh yeah <laughs> hopefully um it, it really goes out on a high note and hopefully this isn't yeah. like many uh like super bowls where the actual super bowl was in the uh you know the uh conference final <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
That's right. So the AFC, the NFC. So, Anthony, a couple pieces of business uh, before next week. Next week, we are going to talk about what's coming up for this podcast, Energize, after uh, episode 10. So stay tuned for that next week. And also, we have a prize that we want to give away to one of our listeners. We know that you've been downloading our show. We really appreciate your support. Um, So we have an exciting prize to give out to one listener, and it is a working model of the Disco Prize, the USS Enterprise from Strange New Worlds. I built it myself. I am a hobbyist, a model maker on the side. It's on a stand. It looks just like the Enterprise. I built it from a kit and a lighting kit and an extra decal kit. So here's how we're going to give it away. What we want you to do is write a review of this show. The more creative, the better. The better ideas you've got for our show, feedback, we love it. Um, if you, you, know, you don't have to just stun us with a ton of praise. If you have a really cool idea or a funny story, please write uh, that review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast review of this show. Uh, the one we think is the most interesting or the most that really catches our eye is the one that wins the Disco Prize. All right. I, so I can't write? I can't write in myself? No, I guess I can't. I'm no, you can't. Sorry, co-host. buddy. Okay. No. Well, yeah, lucky, yeah, lucky yeah. you, lucky you, listeners. No, but we're yep. really excited. And we really appreciate you listening uh, to this very first season of Energize, and we just want to, we want to, you know, give back. Absolutely. Well, that wraps up another episode of Energize. Thanks for joining us. I'm Anthony McLemore. I'm Steve Truitt. Live long and prosper. <laughs>